yeah, I would still have Lamelo as the number one rookie of the year guy. But now that he's down, and if we look at how things could play out for the rest of this year, Anthony Edwards and Halliburton have a big case. Hello and welcome to the Friday, April 2 edition of the TV on Basketball podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're having a fantastic day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other awesome content. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to hit the subscribe button, like, and share. And hit the notification bell so you won't miss an episode. If you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to subscribe, leave a review, send me a DM so I can shout you out, and just continue to show your support in any way possible there. And as for my Spotify, Anchor, or Podbean listeners, continue doing your thing, continue to support the show. Thank you guys all so much. I have an awesome show lineup for you today. We're going to be talking a lot about the Raptors, a lot about just championships in general, and how I think they're overvalued and today's NBA media. And we're also going to be talking about the Rookie of the Year race as well as some other news and notes. It's going to be an awesome episode. We are into the home stretch of the NBA um, regular season now. About 25 games or so left. And it's going to start to get really crazy. Um, We're in April now, which feels crazy. I mean, usually this would be the month where we start talking about the playoffs and stuff. But that's going to be starting in mid-May. We're not going to talk about that. There's still quite a bit of season left and a lot of spots still up for grabs. So it's going to be awesome um, for the rest of the way through. But let's focus on today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into the first topic. And we're going to start by talking about the Toronto Raptors because it's it's been bad. It's been super bad. If you guys have wa- listened or watched this, up, um, these, this podcast long enough, you may even have to look back just to the last episode, but I am a massive Toronto Raptor fan. Been a fan ever since basically I was, like, I came into Canada when I was two years, when I was one years old, one year old. And, yeah, it's been a rough, rough season this season. I mean, I'm used to us having a lot of success, especially over this last six, seven year stretch where we have constantly made the playoffs. But this year, it's been kind of rough. Um, losing the la- uh, our last 15 of our last 17 games. Sitting 11th in the East with an 18-30 to record. 14th in offense, 21st in defense. It's been a really bad season. And the reason I really want to talk about this was the straw that broke the camel's back. Which was the two losses this week, which the Raptors lost to the Detroit Pistons. Which means that they got swept by them this year. Them and Dwayne Casey, because apparently Dwayne Casey's team... F- plays like freaking the 2017 Warriors against us, but it is what it is. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are actively trying to tank. And we noticed by them shutting down Al Horford for the rest of the season, even without injury, taking it slow with the plantar fasciitis of um, Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, he's injured, but it's something he could play through, but they're going to rest him up because, you know, they're winning too many games. And they did it well, Lou Dort, who has arguably been their second... Their third best player this year. And they still won. Because it's Fee McKayluk. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Moses Brown. Isaiah Roby. And more. (laughs) I mean, that was a rough, rough game. And there 
there's a lot of things about the season that has gone very, very wrong for the Raptors, and which have been very, very frustrating. Fred and Siakam both have been very, very inconsistent this year. Fred was playing great before he got into the health and safety protocols, and he hasn't really been the same since. I mean, he's had his moments here and there, but I mean, maybe this COVID thing is actually like really affecting him. But either way, he hasn't been that great. Siakam really still hasn't gotten into like a full rhythm yet. He's had good games here and there. I mean, he's still having a good season. But for someone that we paid the max contract to, it isn't looking that great. The bench has been inconsistent. I mean, Chris Boucher is probably our best player off the bench and himself. I mean, he can't defend bigs. He just can't defend bigs. He just doesn't have the body to do so. He can hit the three sometimes. He's a decent shot blocker, but... Yeah, he has a lot of foul troubles as well. I mean, the bench is just not good. Just not good whatsoever, really. I mean, we're relying on people like Stanley Johnson to help us out. I mean, it hasn't helped that DeAndre Bembry and uh, Paul Watson are still in health and safety protocols either. But, yeah, there's just so many things just wrong with this. I mean, I haven't even talked about Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines has been oh, one of the most frustrating players to watch as a Raptor fan. Because in the past, you know, we've... It's like Raptor fans have called up players. One of them being Jonas Valanciunas, who we got mad about for just for kind of like missing out on these type of rebounds, but he was still averaging like eight or nine rebounds a game. If if you watch that Thunder game in in Aaron Baines, you could see a stat line. He scored basically negative two points because he scored on his own basket because he couldn't um, collect a rebound. He had two rebounds, which was less than Gary Trent had on the day, I believe, and he just has not been good all season long. And mixed in with that, with Kyle Lowry been being in and out of the lineup due to injury, now it's a foot infection, which is really, really bad. I mean, with all these moving pieces, Nick Nurse can't even find the right combination of players. He's trying to experiment on things, which hasn't been working. And, oh, man, it's just been frustrating this entire season as a Raptor fan. It's been really, really frustrating. Literally, the only two things that I'm happy about at the current moment with the season is that Gary Trent, I mean, he scored a career high yesterday, 31 points is showing at the very least that he could be a key contributor to his team. He's a very good scorer. And given the right opportunities, could possibly be a 20-point-per-game scorer. So I'm happy about that, especially because he's restricted. And OG Ananobi, because even though if he's going to be struggling on the offensive end, he'll help on the defensive end, and he's just made just great improvement this year in a bigger role. Those are the only two things I've been satisfied with this year. But besides that, it's just been a rough, rough year. Especially because in the trade deadline, they didn't trade Kyle Lowry. They they didn't bring in a center. It's just lots and lots of things that just have that the Raptors should have done, could have done, and it just has basically just fallen apart. And looking at this team, like I said, 14th in offensive rating, 21st in defensive rating. They're looking like an average team. They're looking like an average team, and I just do not see potential of a number one guy there in Toronto right now. I really don't, and that's the reason why I didn't want to bring back Norman Powell on a contract. Because although I think he's a good, good player, he's not going to be that guy to step up into that role. I don't see Siakam stepping up into that role. I don't see Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, or OJ Nanobi. Gary Trent, let's give him some time though, but I, at the same time, I just don't see it from his first three years of his career. I, It's just something where the Raptors, they hadn't Kawhi Leonard... They kind of, with the whole thing that was happening in San Antonio, they were able to trade for her for him in exchange for DeMar DeRozan, of course. And that was basically the best player we had 
since Vince. I mean, he was the best player to uh, to play in a Raptors jersey. He was because of what he did that one season. And the Raptors haven't had that. And even the losing of the centers and and Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, they lost some of their leadership. And the fact that this season they had to be moved from Toronto to Tampa and play a whole season there, it just hasn't just felt the same with the Raptors this year. They have been hit most by um, just COVID in general, um, these Toronto Raptors. Of course, them moving from Toronto to Tampa Bay for the season because the borders are still closed. They're away from their families. They're in a new arena. They're on a new court. It has not been easy for them. And I, and I can definitely attest to that. And the thing about the Raptors right now is that, yes, they are six games behind the fourth seed, or seven games at this point. Yes, they are two or three games um, away from the tenth seed. But in this season right now, is that really going to do them anything? Us being a tenth seed, playing in the playing game? Maybe, but at the same time, the way I like to look at this opportunity right now is because is that this is such a deep draft class, and there are two guys in Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley who look like they're going to be absolute superstars in the NBA. And with the Raptors needing some help at the big position, I think Evan Mobley could be the move. You've seen the hashtag, um, Raptor fans have already started the hashtag, tank for Mobley. And as although I want to compete, although this could be Lowry's like swan song on his Raptor career, when thinking long term, when you have the op- when there is a chance where you can get one of the um, best prospects from this year's draft who looks like a superstar, someone who could play on both ends of the floor, who's super athletic and block shots, has a decent inside game. I think you could you should go after the opportunity. And I know this team is not gonna fight is not gonna go down without a fight. I definitely th- understand that. But the Raptors need to f- know like need to find something that can not replace Kawhi Leonard, but at least like something to build off of from this young core. Because like I said earlier, none of these guys are looking like that number one guy that the Raptors can use going forward. And they're not gonna get that through free agency. They're not because the Raptors are not a vi- like a like a free agent destination to a lot of these top stars. So the only way that the Raptors can get these um, assets or superstar type players is through trade, and we've seen that with Kawhi, and or through the draft, which the Raptors have hit on many draft picks, especially over the last five six years when it comes to Siakam and OG Ananobi. But the Raptors, I know the Raptors um, want to fight. And I don't think you can be able to take that away from them. But the thing is, the Raptors understand what it takes to win a championship. And besides looking at this roster, Nick Nurse is probably looking at this roster thinking, this is not, we don't have that guy to be that, you know, that champion, that difference in winning a championship. They have a lot of the secondary pieces. I do agree with that. They got Fred, Siakam, OG, Gary Trent. Those four guys... Mixed in some Boucher off the bench, I think is a great, great supporting cast. But the problem with having five guys as supporting cast, I don't see any of these guys stepping up. And I think that's the biggest issue there because you have the secondary pieces, you have the culture, you have the coaching. You're just looking for that number one guy now. And I think the Raptors, although 
like I said, this could be Larry's last year. This could be, um, you know, the t- the cha- the time to tank. I know people don't like the word, but right now, se- sitting at the eighth best odds at the number one pick, I I just don't feel like the Raptors um, are kind of at that point yet to like say like okay, we could still be competing because this year has shown us that they really can't. They really can't, especially with all these issues that are going on in their roster. They probably should have traded Kyle Lowry at the deadline. But if any chance, if any year's a chance to, you know, take what bad is and turn it into something good, it's the 2021 season because it's been hurting a lot of people. And the Raptors could turn something that a lot of people could see negative into a positive asset going forward in the future. And I think either Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham could be one of those guys that the Raptors could bring in. Before we move forward, new Raps fans, I see a lot of people saying that this is rock bottom, this is like the worst they've ever seen them and stuff like that, yada, yada, yada. I want to remind you about this. Bargnani, Hito Turkoglu, Vince Carter leaving Toronto and killing us on the Brooklyn Nets, on, on the New Jersey Nets at the time. Rudiger killing us in the late 2000s, early 2010s. It's been worse, Raptor fans. It's been a lot worse. And I think, like, you could see, like, in the fan base, kind of the, the newer fans kind of showing up, saying, oh, it's true to everyone, yada, yada, yada. I think you have pieces there. It's just trying to find that number one piece. And I think the best way to do it is through the draft. And I think that this could be kind of like a year like Golden State had last year where it didn't look so good, but they used it to kind of get a top prospect in the draft. I could see the Raptors doing the same but it's really up to the um, Nick Nurse uh, Masai Jiri and like what they want to do going forward because they have three guys under contract they probably going to get Gary Trent this offseason let's see if they can be able to get the number one guy let's move on to this um going from the Raptors who are former NBA champions I just want to talk about just the championships in general the Larry O'Brien trophy and I want to talk about how some people, especially NBA media, and maybe a lot of the fans out there in the NBA, they just overvalue rings too, too much. And the reason I'm saying this is coming off, you know, the Stephen um, A. Smith, um, and basically segment on first take where he was t- where he was asked about Russell Westbrook's 30, 20, and 10 game, which was absolutely phenomenal. And Stephen A. basically responds saying, yeah, that's what Westbrook does. We've seen this for years on years on years on end. But he said nothing that he does is really going to impress him or it's going to be like noteworthy because he is not he's not a champion and he's probably not going to be a champion. This led to Russ's wife, Nina Westbrook, going off on Stephen A. Smith on her Instagram story. And Russell Westbrook basically responded in an interview saying that, you know, he is happy for what he has accomplished in the league and that his impact on the game of basketball in his community is worth more than what a championship could bring him. And he basically says, like, I know a lot of people who won championships and who are absolutely miserable um, in their careers. And he said he's at a happy place right now and that he believes that the, ch- um, the championship, like, really wouldn't change that or it wouldn't, like, validate um, his career. Which is fair because Russ is a top 10 point guard of all time. Because you know, because of how he's played, um, the energy he plays with, the stats he puts up, and just the impact he's had on the game in general, I think he is a top ten point guard. 
But back to the topic at hand. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, people like Stephen A. Smith in media, the NBA media in general, and fans just put way too much value on a championship ring for someone's legacy. And a lot and a lot of people like make it seem that it's an, like an absolute necessity to have, or else you're just not that great of a player, or you just like, or you're not a team player and stuff like that. There's so many like bad narratives surrounding not having a championship, which I find absolutely ridiculous. An example of this. Gary Payton. He won a championship with the Miami Heat in the last season of his career. Take away the championship, I, I, I think everyone would look at Gary Payton the exact same. Or at least they should. Because that championship, he only put, I believe, 15 minutes or maybe a bit more in the entire finals. And he won it. I mean, n- there's no denying he's an NBA champion. But he's most remembered for what he did in the Supersonics. And what he did as one of the best defensive point guards of all time. And whether he had that ring in Miami or not, wasn't going to change how people viewed Gary Payton and his validity in the Hall of Fame. Same thing with Chris Paul in the current NBA. Context matters, man. He probably would have won a championship in, what was it, 2018? 2018, if he didn't go down with injury. The Houston Rockets probably would have gone by the Warriors, and they probably would have won the championship over the Cavs. That's what possibly would happen. I mean, context matters. And looking at a ring individually on certain players is just not fair. It's just not fair in terms of kind of judging them as a player in general. Another example being T-Mac. I mean, he didn't win the championship, but if he won that with the Spurs in 2013, I believe, that wouldn't change anything. That wouldn't change anything at all. And the thing is, like, with this viewpoint, what a lot of fans have, this is why you see people like Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge going to join these super teams because that's what everyone cares about. That's all people want to talk about when it comes to these players. Like, is he a champion? How many rings has he got? Like, that's is the main like talking point for a lot of these all-time discussions, like how good a player is. One of the first things talked about is rings. And it really shouldn't be. Because Blake Griffin was a fantastic player in the Los Angeles Clippers, former MVP candidate. Or Marcus Aldridge, 20,000 points in his career was a beast for the Spurs early on and through, the, through his time with the Blazers. But their rings, if they win with the Miami, with the Brooklyn Nets, aren't really going to change their legacy unless they have like a good, good impact. Well, Marcus Aldridge, I could see you kind of less of that, but Blake Griffin, maybe. But people are still going to know them for what they've done in their prime. And I think like the reason, and this is why you see people like them want to join Super Saiyans because... The rings, it feels like, are like kind of do or die. I don't want to say do or die, but it kind of determines whether people will see you in a good light or a bad light. And it's just going to continue for as long as this narrative continues, is that championships are a big part of someone's legacy, which shouldn't be. It should be skill. It should be accomplishments. It should be um, how they are against their competition, their stats. Those should matter more than what the championship matters. And like I said, context matters whether these guys got championships or not. I don't think it's going to, shouldn't be like judged just a lot on that. And, you know, it's just, it's just something like where, I mean, going back to Stephen A. Smith, he talks about how Russell Westbrook hasn't really done much 
um, because like he like shouldn't. It's not going to be like talked about as much because he didn't win championship. I have a feeling 15, 20 years down the line, people are going to still be talking about Russell Westbrook and his impact on the game, just from the triple doubles, from the energy he's brought to the floor. He's he's become like the like one of the best players in Oklahoma City history. I think a lot of people are going to still validate him even with or without the championship. Let's move on to this. Um, Let's talk about the Rookie of the Year race. And the reason I want to talk about that is with LaMelo going down with injury, I still think he has a chance. I mean, if he didn't get injured, obviously, I think he would still be running away with number one. But because of that wrist injury, it's made it a a three-guy race at this point. And we're going to be talking about each of their candidacy and who I think has the best chance of getting it. And those three guys I'm going to be talking about here are Tyrese Halliburton, Lamelo Ball, obviously, and Anthony Edwards. Let's start with Tyrese Halliburton. Right now on the season, he's averaging 13.3 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, 5.0 assists, shooting um, 42.5% from three, almost 50% from the field. He's been very, very good this year for the Sacramento Kings. What I liked about him coming out of college is that he looked like he was had the most mature game. And he's showing it here. I mean, he's so calm down the stretch. He's super efficient for, for a rookie. He plays hard on both ends. And I think he is a perfect partner for De'Aaron Fox because Tyrese Halliburton doesn't need the ball to be effective. He's great off the ball. He knows how to make these right decisions. And he's just a very good player. And, and although he's like doesn't have the stats that pop out at you, I think he just has just as big of an impact as the other guys on this list is for like maybe not as much as Lamelo, but I could say that he means more to like wins and to his team success than Anthony Edwards is. I can confidently say that. And I think that he was one of my guys coming out of the draft. Obviously, every year I try to pick on a like pick out a player where I can say, I think that this guy's gonna be an absolute stud, superstar type player. I usually don't go for the top guys. This year I went Denny Abdia, and he's been kind of on and off of the season. But Tyrese Halliburton was at number two, and he's been looking fantastic. Hopefully, he can continue to get starters minutes. Hopefully, he can continue to be a starter because this guy has a bright future, and I think is definitely worthy of consideration MVP, not MVP, rookie of the year. Lamelo Ball. Obviously, I've talked about Lamelo Ball too, um, a lot on this podcast, so I'm not going to talk about him too, too much here. But the way that he changed the culture in, in Charlotte cannot be denied 16 points a game six rebounds six assists honestly his percentages have not been like horrendous 38 percent from three 45 percent from the field and a lot of the success of the hornets could be attributed to his presence his play and just kind of the energy he brings to that team and yes he's still they're still getting wins like without him but the culture has changed there and i think gomelo has a lot to do with it I think that he could be a like probably the best player out of these three going down to going in the future. He's gonna probably get even more touches next year. Who knows if he even come back this year? Because apparently he's gonna be reevaluated in a couple weeks. So there still could be hope. There still could be hope. But I'm basically looking at this race as if he's gonna miss the rest of the season. But that injury, man, that real injury really did um, um, hurt his chances of winning the award especially with the way that the other guy I'm going to be talking about next has been performing as of late. But you can't deny Gomelo Ball's 
uh, effect on this on the team and just his play in general. I think he's ahead of Tyrese Halliburton, who is probably like the third or fourth option on that team, and ahead of Anthony Edwards because of the impact. And I think that he still got a chance. He still has a chance of winning that rookie of the year. Now moving on to Anthony Edwards because I think he's a good player. I think he's a good player, but 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 a lot of his hype comes from the type of highlights he gets. Right now he's averaging seventeen points, seventeen point three points per game, um, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. Um, though one of the biggest things is that he's not very efficient. Um, Anthony Edwards is. I mean, thirty nine percent from the field. 31% from three. I mean, he's leading all rookies in scoring. He's getting the most opportunities out of all of them because Minnesota is just that bad of a team. But he looks good. He looks like a really good number two, number three, possibly number one option in the future. He's not afraid to take the big shots. He's not afraid to go inside or out. He really needs to work on his efficiency, but I think he's a very, very good player and someone who the Nets, uh, not the Nets, the Wolves would want to have on their team for a long, long time. And out of all these guys, I mean, like I said earlier, he has the highlights, whether it's the dunks, whether it's the crossovers, Anthony Edwards has those highlights. And I think this is why like, a lot of people are going to consider him the favorite for Give the Year now that Melo is down. But in my opinion, who's going to win it? Because if you had to end it today, I would say Melo wins it easy. He does win it. And I think ever since he got injured, I think he's missed like seven games. So, yeah, I would still have Lamelo as the number one rookie of the year guy. But now that he's down, and if we look at how things could play out for the rest of this year, Anthony Edwards and Halliburton have a big case. Halliburton, I think like his best chance of winning this is if the Kings somehow make it to the playoffs. I mean, not the playing tournament, but the actual playoffs. If that happens and Tyrese Halliburton is still like averaging near 14 points a game and having the impact he's having, I think that actually gives him a good chance. Lamelo, if he comes back, honestly, I think if he gets like another good one or two week run, he will be back in the race once again. But Anthony Edwards feels like he's the favorite at this point. Although his team hasn't been bad, he has the numbers to back it up. He has the confidence. He has the like ability factor about him. He just feels like he's going to be the favorite to win Rookie of the Year at this, um, by the end of the season. And with the opportunities he's getting, I mean, who knows how high his points per game total is going to go. You know, is it going to be 18 points a game, maybe even higher? I mean, I'm not trying to like take, um, tear him down in any way, although I'm not a fan of his efficiency and everything. I just think that how a burden and ball in terms of um, affecting wins and affecting um, what their team success is, like is would be like a lot more important, but this is the rookie of the year award. So usually just like whoever has the best stats, whoever, um, and obviously injuries come into it. I mean, a few years ago, Joel Embiid lost out on rookie of the year because Malcolm Brogdon basically played the whole season and Embiid played thirty games, even though he had the much better stats. And I basically see that's what's gonna happen here with Omelo Ball, and maybe he'll make things interesting. Like I said, if he comes back from injury, but as of right now, I gotta say Anthony Edwards, but. But, but, Tyrese Halliburton, if they make the playoffs, it's going to be kind of hard not to give it to him. Now let's, like, finish off this episode with some news and notes around the NBA. 
Um, one of the things that happened this week was Norman Powell posting an article to the Players' Tribune, basically a love letter to Toronto and thanking the, thanking the Raptors organization and the city for what they've done to his career. I kind of teared up a bit. There was a lot of emotional stuff there. Him running to, um, into um, Van Vliet, Siakam, and all them in the hallways um, during warm-ups. And in that game, I think it was last Sunday against, you know, when the Trailblazers faced the Raptors for the first time. He talked about that experience. He talked about um, um, just kind of like how Kyle Lowry has affected him, DeMar DeRozan. And he went on a, this really um, good article. I, I definitely suggest you, go, you guys go check it out. As a Raptor fan, it hit me different, but it's still a really good article in general. I'm going to miss Norman Powell. Like I said earlier, I mean, if we had kind of like that basis for a, you know, a contending team down the line, I think that the Raptors would try to reset Norm, but they're still in search of the number one guy. And unfortunately, there's just not enough money to go around. And Norm was kind of the non-beneficiary of it. But it's a really good article. I'm definitely going to miss Norm. You should guys go definitely go check it out. Another thing that happened this week was the Utah Jazz were, I think, about to... Um, board a flight to Memphis, and after the first 30 seconds of their flight, one of their a- their engines failed, and that was because they flew into a flock of birds. If any of you have seen the photos, there was blood all over the engine and all that, but it was a scary moment for the Jazz players, and they all talked about how, you know, people in the cabin were talking about, oh, this could be, you know, this is possibly the end, because they're like, they took off, their engine kind of blew out, and they were kind of scared for their lives, and who wouldn't be? But sad, but um, um, happily, they they landed safely, and everything is okay. Jordan Carson went basically on a couple of minutes, like talking about that experience and um, how he's become more thankful for the life he's living. But luckily, all of them are safe. Obviously, the birds aren't safe, which is a joke that's been overused on Twitter and Instagram a lot. But um, luckily for the players, everyone's good. They went on to beat the Grizzlies yesterday, anyways. So everything looking good for the Jazz. Another news thing, another newsworthy thing that happened this week was Andre Drummond in his Laker debut. I think injured his right big toe. I think that was like the um, the official report, and it was it was it was definitely rough for the Lakers, especially um, because you know it was his first game and stuff. And then someone stepped on it. Someone stepped on it, and yeah, he had to leave with injury. Good thing is it's not like a fracture or anything, so I don't think he's gonna miss um, any time, um, or if anything, he's gonna miss a, like a few games or so. But he, he's okay. Good thing it's nothing like much worse. But man, these injuries, man, this season have been totally rough, especially for the Lakers. I mean, losing out on LeBron James then Anthony Davis. Imagine signing Andre Drummond in his first game already getting injured. That's rough, but it looks like he is going to be okay. Lastly. Dennis Schroeder um, this week was offered a contract from the Los Angeles Lakers, four years, $84 million. And according to reports, he turned it down. He turned down an extension. Um, looking from the Lakers' perspective of things, I thought, uh, I think that was a bit too much to resign Dennis Schroeder to. But at the same time, you know, he's still been pretty good this year. He's been a good player for them. I just thought that that was a lot of money to give out to someone who is going to be your third or fourth best player on a championship team. But I think a lot of this has to do with him not actually wanting to be in L.A. I mean, before he got traded from OKC, he said that he wants to continue what they had there in OKC and build off that. 
Um, he said he didn't even like want to get traded to like one of these cr- um, crazy contenders. He did. I mean, maybe that's a big reason why. Maybe he just doesn't want to be there because I think that's a really good contract for someone like a Dennis Schroeder. But he turned it down. So, I mean, hopefully he knows what he's doing. Maybe he leaves right after the season. Who knows? But he just declined that contract extension, which, in my opinion, very, very surprising. But yeah, those are all the, um, basically all the topics from today. What are your thoughts on the Raptors? What should they do next? Your thoughts on championships being overvalued, at least my take on it. Who do you think is going to win Rookie of the Year? And just anything from um, this week's, or at least this Friday's news and notes. Yeah, today was a really fun episode. And I think that this is where we're going to end it. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and or Instagram for some awesome content. Like I said, a few more weeks of school. I'm going to get through it, guys. And then I'm going to be focusing more on the podcast and everything. So a couple more weeks. Hopefully um, I can get most of this, um, this stuff done by the end of May. Still going to be coming out with the two episodes a week. But hopefully by, when May comes, maybe the YouTube videos come back um, for every Wednesday. I'm thinking of doing some kind of snippets from the show as well. So I have plans going on um, after that. But yeah, just look out for more Monday and Friday episodes. Also, check out me on check me out on Project Dribble's live stream, which we live stream every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And on his Twitter, on his YouTube, you should go definitely check it out to talk just NBA basketball. And yeah, I still got stuff going on with the podcast, but still trying to focus on school. Thank you guys for all your support. Be getting incredible, um, some traction on the podcast lately. Um, getting more people watching the full episodes on YouTube, which is absolutely fantastic. So I want to thank you guys for all of that. Hope you all have a fantastic day. TV signing out. Take it easy, guys. Peace.